Welcome to the More Sense Than Dollars podcast. We're your hosts, Nick and Harry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 16. We're talking about crypto today. Cryptocurrency, that is. You ready for this one, Nick? Yeah, this is something I've been semi-interested in for a while, so happy to be spreading some knowledge. I'm going to be the the weary traveler who doesn't know about cryptocurrency, and Nick is going to be our Sherpa guiding us towards the answers. But first, highs and lows, or or do we call them pros and cons? <laughs> pros yeah, and cons I, I, I don't of know living. What's going on there? I keep slipping up and calling on the wrong name. But so my my high, not my pro, my high is that um, as as you know, you added the Spotify balance I owe you for the last 15 months. Uh, we, we've been splitting a, a family Spotify plan because it was it was cheaper even for two people. And I, I just haven't been paying it since I moved out, but I've still been budgeting for it. So luckily I did have 15 months worth of Spotify fees in a category and you need a budget that I was easily able to just send over. But my my low on the other side of that is actually that you need a budget recently announced that they are jacking up their rates. Isn't going to break the bank. It, it's still worth it to me. It, it saves me more than it's going to cost, but just not happy about that paying more for. Yeah. Now you have thing, to budget basically. more for your budgeting software. Yeah. A little silly, but all right. What about yours? Okay. Hi. Uh, after the Apple keynote, what was that a month or so ago, I started putting money aside for the Apple watch and out of my wants budget and just got it. I finally bought it. Nice. My low would be my irresponsibility around my electric bill. I've been, I've been switching back and forth between heat and cold and uh, heat and AC and it's, it's been a little ridiculous. It, so. It's a true bachelor pad now. You're you're the only one living there, right? Yeah. There's no one so else no to one's keep keeping you in me. Check. <laughs> no one's telling me it's too hot or too cold. So if I'm cold, I put the heat on. If I'm hot, I put the AC on. And I'll try to get it under control. All right, let's get into it. First question is going to be: What is cryptocurrency, and how is it different from like a dollar or a euro or any other kind of currency? Yeah, so I'm going to start that by defining a few things about like what we usually think of as money, uh, the U.S. dollar or the euro or you know any of the government issued currencies. Um, they're typically or they're known as fiat money, and that means that it's government issued and not backed by any sort of commodity. You can't exchange the money for any real world commodity. It's worth what it's worth because of the government that issues it says it that it's worth that. And it has a physical form. You know, you obviously you're, we're all used to having, uh, you know, seeing the balances on our accounts and exchanging money digitally and electronically now, but it still does have a physical form. You can withdraw that money and, and carry around a fat stack of cash. And it gives the central bank of the country that's issuing that money a lot of control over that country's economy because they control the money supply. They can make more of it. They can make more of it more slowly. And all of those sorts of things can affect inflation and yeah, the economy. Um, so compared to that, 
crypto is not regulated in any of the cryptocurrencies are not regulated by a central authority. There's no government that is issuing the crypto and backing it and giving it value. There's no physical form. You cannot withdraw your Bitcoins into a physical form. Um, it exists purely digitally, electronically. It's a big series of ones and zeros and just electronic data. You will never actually hold it. Like would I still store it in a bank? It's, so it's stored on the blockchain. And I think we'll get into, or it's stored in a blockchain, I should say, because each crypto will have its own blockchain. And we'll get more into what that is later. But because of that, unlike fiat money or government-issued money, it also doesn't require any intermediary to transfer money. So if you think about it, if you want to send, um, you know, if you want to give someone else um, USD, you either need to physically give them cash or someone else is involved. You cannot send money digitally to someone else or electronically to someone else without a bank being involved. Your bank takes the money that you've stored with them. They transfer it over to another bank that someone else has an account with. And so there's always another party involved in that transfer. That is not required in crypto because all, all transfers in crypto are directly wallet to wallet, directly from your crypto wallet to the other person's. Okay, now I need to know what wallets are. Your crypto wallet is basically a super secret password. They called it called a key, your private key. It proves that you own the Bitcoin that's recorded in a specific part of the blockchain. So anyone can go and look, they can look back in the blockchain and see, oh, like this much Bitcoin is stored under this address. It's stored in this position in the blockchain. But only you have the private key that proves that you can move that Bitcoin. The wallet is basically your proof of ownership. And online wallets, which are really going to be the focus of our conversation today, these are things like Coinbase or Robinhood or Kraken, or if you're outside of the US, Binance is a big one. These are the easiest way to hold and use crypto, but it also is the, the least secure the space has matured enough where we're going to call it good enough to use for the average person for the purpose of this episode. Okay, so if the wallet's part of the blockchain, what is blockchain technology? That's a big buzzword in crypto. Yeah, it's become a big buzzword, and it, it really did spring out of cryptocurrency, but it does have applications outside of it. But it's basically, you know, the, the easiest way to describe it as a distributed ledger. And so a ledger, like in the old days, these were big bound paper leather books that banks would record all of their transactions in because there were no computers. So it's a record of all the transactions in that cryptocurrency, but it's distributed across thousands and thousands of computers across the world. And every time a transaction is made, so any time you try to add something to the blockchain, it checks in with all of the other copies of the blockchain at all of these other computers that are connected to the network and sees if that change makes sense. And this ends up providing a lot of security because it would be, you know, 
prohibitively expensive. Like you would, you would need an insane amount of resources and computer power more than any one entity has today to change all of those copies of the blockchain at the same time. So if you right. try to go back and like hack, you know, if you try to go three years ago and say like, oh, this, this Bitcoin actually is mine and try to push that out, it'll check against all of the other copies of the blockchain and see, wait a second, th- I'm the only one that is getting the information that says this, this isn't right. And it will reject that change. So it is a, it is a, a good source of truth and your, your wallet with your coins in the wallet is on that blockchain so everyone knows that that wallet yeah, has I mean, money in it. If you want to get technical about it, the the coins are on the blockchain, not in your wallet. All your wallet does is secure that private key that proves your ownership. That you have access to those coins. Yeah, so imagine the blockchain is a bunch of glass cubes and there's stuff inside all those cubes. So you you can see what is there. But only if you have the right key to unlock that glass cube can you actually interact with what's inside of it. Interesting. Okay, so if all of this is digital, could it replace the dollar? Like I've heard people talk like, oh, it could be like a global currency. Like we all agree on, you know, cryptocurrency as our... Probably, you know, I never say never, but probably not. I mean, like Venezuela kind of made a splash recently because they made Bitcoin legal tender. And so you can, you know, you could pay your taxes, for instance, in Venezuela with Bitcoin. Um, They do, the government accepts it. But realistically, um, you know, the major players on the world stage are never going to give up the control that they get by issuing their own currency. I I don't see any situation where the, the U.S. government hands over control of their monetary supply to or really to no one it's decentralized right right? that's the whole idea behind crypto they they want to keep those tools that they have to influence the economy all right so i think the the most common one that everybody hears about is bitcoin yeah absolutely I i think it's that's like half of the value of all cryptocurrencies is in Bitcoin pretty much. Why is that one so popular? Like the one that everybody talks about the most, do you think? Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency. It was in, it was created in 2009. Um, so it's been around the longest and all of the other cryptocurrencies. Sometimes you'll hear them called altcoins, and that's alt ALT. And that's really just saying that they're different than Bitcoin and this this space is maturing a little bit. Um, some of these altcoins are getting recognition on their own. But for a long time, any cryptocurrency that wasn't Bitcoin was kind of looked at as a Bitcoin ripoff or a clone or, or something like that. And so it's really just, it's been around the longest and it's had the most time to become known. If they're like half and we saw the market of uh, cryptocurrency is like, Two trillion, right? And Bitcoin is half of that. So those other, you know, twelve thousand coins make up the other half. That's how dominating Bitcoin is. Yeah, if you if you take the half that Bitcoin doesn't make up, roughly half of that, maybe closer to like forty percent of that leftover half is Ethereum, which is it's another popular one, and I think we'll talk about that in a second. But 
Um, like two coins pretty much make up, you know, 75% of the cryptocurrency market. Wow. And you said it was in 2009. When, what was like the first transaction? Yeah, so it was created in 2009, but the first transaction was actually in May of 2010. And someone in Florida spent 10,000 Bitcoin to get two pizzas from a local Papa John's. If you took today's valuation of Bitcoin, uh, that those 10,000 would be worth over $612 million. It's hard not to think of that as really expensive pizza. All right, so I think one of the big things that causes hype around Bitcoin is the change in value, how it goes up and everybody's talking about Bitcoin is rising, skyrocketing, and then it'll crash. Why yeah, is it so volatile? volatile? Yeah, why why does the value change so much? It's just, it's an immature market and people aren't sure. You know, it's an unknown quantity. So any news has a huge impact on the perceived valuation. Like all, emotion, fear, greed, th- these are all things that impact all markets. But in a, a young, you know, in a young market like this with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, any of those changes have an even bigger impact and that a lot of it's speculation. And so it's subject to these wild swings. Um, there, there's some major things that cause some of these swings, like threats of regulation. Um, for a while, every time China talked about banning Bitcoin, maybe the, t- the price would tank and then it would slowly yeah. recover. <laughs> and you know, like every time they did that, it wouldn't tank as much and that, you know, that you've sort of seen that effect peter off a little bit just as it's grown. And so you've seen, there are ways in which it's maturing. Well, but, even though it's been around for 12 years, it's, re- it's really only been the last few that it's gotten so popular and that the, the market cap has gotten so big, right? Yeah. For a while, this was something that only like hardcore computer nerds knew about. Yeah. Or like really hardcore libertarians that were really drawn to the the decentralized aspect of it. But I only remember it like 2016, 2017, really starting to hear about it a lot in the news. It was hard to use for a while too. Well, part of the reason, you know, we're focusing on the, the online wallets and talking about that is just that it's a lot easier to get into it. This makes it more mainstream, yeah. And I think another big buzzword aside from blockchain is mining. When it comes to cryptocurrency and Bitcoin mining, people talk about. Yeah. What does that mean? That's getting a lot of attention lately, I think, because of the environmental impact. It uses a lot of energy and and electricity. Why does it use so much power? And and what is mining? Well, yeah. So what is mining? So for certain currencies, for certain cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, for example, more coins are like coins are entering the market over time. So there's constantly a growing supply of Bitcoin. Um, And that the mining is just the way that those new Bitcoins come into existence. And really, it's these super powered computers that are connected to the Bitcoin network. And they all compete to solve these mathematical algorithms the fastest. And whoever solves it first gets a Bitcoin as a reward for solving it. Yeah, so I don't that, think this is for me. I'm not, I'm yeah, not getting into the mining game. Yeah, it's not for a lot of people. 
I will say there there's a newer um, there's a newer method of mining that is significantly less resource intensive. Um, Ethereum, which we talked about being the second biggest coin, is they've been talking about moving to this new style of mining for a long time. Um, it's supposedly happening in 2022 now. Cryptocurrency mining isn't inherently power intensive. It's just the way that it was invented for Bitcoin has become uh, very energy intensive. And right now there don't seem to be any plans for Bitcoin to move off of its current mining system. I've heard a lot of friends and family ask, should I be buying Bitcoin or Ethereum to use and spend as money, as currency? Or is it an investment, like you're investing in gold or uh, a stock on, on the stock exchange? It's no, it's a good question. It's kind of a tricky one. the The original white paper, and that that was the first document that sort of laid out um, Satoshi's plans for Bitcoin, very clearly intended for it to be a currency. The idea was for it to be an alternative currency to use for transactions that didn't need to be routed through third parties like banks or the government or anything like that. Um, Very, very quickly after it got any sort of prominence, it has become more of an investment vehicle. And again, that's because of the volatility in the price. People are, are hoarding it, hoping that it keeps going up in value and they can flip it for more money. Then there's also resistance to spending it because of that. Right, no one wants to spend Bitcoin today for a three dollar cup of coffee, and tomorrow that that three dollars of Bitcoin would be worth thirty dollars, maybe. You don't want to be like the pizza guy, bought yeah. The two pizzas. And then on the flip side of that, it doesn't only go up. So vendors can be resistant to accept it because maybe they accept payment and they they take three dollars worth of Bitcoin for that coffee, but tomorrow that's only worth fifty cents or one cent, the, the value could drop dramatically. So there's a little bit of pressure on both the buyer and the seller to not accept it. And that combined with that volatility has made it more of an investment vehicle. One of the things you mentioned before was that he originally intended for it to be a currency because you could sort of bypass banks and the government. I think there is still some stigma around what these coins are used for like a lot of people think it's really just for the like the dark web or the black market for making you know illegal purchases is that what it's mainly used for even recently janet yellen the treasury secretary um kind of implied that there may be some coming regulations because of its use in illegal trade and, and that sort of spiked some more you know restoked these fears of it being used for illegal activity but i so i was able to find some some numbers and data and i'll, I'll post the links to this in the show notes just so we, you know i can cite my facts here but an analysis estimated that in 2019 2.1 of crypto transactions were related to illegal activity and that in 2020 only 0.34 percent of crypto transactions were related to illegal activity now it's really negligible most my layman's analysis is that earlier on illegal activity may have been a bigger part 
of its its use, but since it has become used as an investment vehicle, most of the you know the volume of cryptocurrency trading are people just speculating and trading it back and forth, trying to make more money. So, um, to to compare that to like fiat currency, the money that governments issue. The UN has estimated that annually anywhere from 2 to 5% of the global GDP is re- related to illegal activity. So like going off this data, like a higher percentage of the money that's issued by governments is used for illegal activity than cryptocurrency is. Wow. All right. So I'm feeling better. You cleared the stigma here. I think... I have a good understanding of the basics around crypto and and Bitcoin, and I want to get in the game. So what should I do if I want to buy some or invest in some? Yeah, if you're just dipping your toes in, you want to start getting more exposed to this, or you want to get some exposure in your own portfolio to cryptocurrency, using one of these online exchanges that we've mentioned is probably the best way to do it. That was Coinbase. Think like Robinhood. Coinbase. Yeah. Coinbase is the biggest one in the U S Robinhood is kind of in the game right now. You can buy Bitcoin. I'm not sure if there's other cryptos too on Robinhood, but I know you, you can use your U S dollars to buy crypto and then you can turn that crypto back into U S dollars, but you can't actually move the crypto from, Robinhood somewhere else. Um, that that is coming. Uh, Kraken is another one. So I think you clear like with the with the built in security of the blockchain. I think you cleared up some of listeners' worries, but maybe some listeners are still a little concerned that you know it's still digital con- currency and the stigma we mentioned. Would you say, in your opinion, is it safe to buy? And to hold, yes. I like it, it, if you're asking from the perspective of like, oh, is is the government gonna like be keeping a closer eye on me because I'm getting it, or like, do I look like a criminal because I'm buying crypto? Th- none of that is a valid concern. But because it is a confusing space, there have been a lot of attempts by bad actors to use that confusion and lack of understanding to scam people basically under the guise of being a part of this crypto thing and so just be careful wherever there's hype and popularity there's going to be more scammers yeah right like like scammers gravitate towards opportunity and and wherever it's going to take the least amount of effort to get the most bang for your buck and this is just a you know a ripe scenario for that there there's a lot of hype a lot of attention and and a real lack of understanding but there's also like there's FOMO about missing this crypto train. So people rush into things that, you know, without really vetting it. So unless you are doing serious research and really familiarizing yourself with, with the, you know, the technology behind cryptocurrency and how it works, stick to these major well-known players and just, you know, dip your toes in at the beginning. Common sense, you know, don't, send money to places you don't know don't send money to people you don't know and and, you know that all those same rules apply but be on the lookout make sure your bs radar is tuned (laughs) i think that 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 takes us into the takeaways which is 
don't get into this just because it's popular right now. There's a lot more research you could do on this, but we gave you the high level and you can kind of decide now. Do you want to have something like this in your portfolio? Cryptocurrency, that is. If not, that's fine. There's a lot of other things to invest in. You can stick to real estate or stocks or gold, whatever it might be. So this is just another option. Uh, yeah, I don't want to portray it as not risky. I'm saying it's safe from the perspective that it's a real thing. Like there, there's a real market built around this. There's real infrastructure, but there's no guarantee that it's going to remain worth anything. There, there's a lot of people saying Bitcoin's you know, going to be worth a million dollars in 10 years. There's also a lot of equally smart people saying it's going to be worth zero in five years. You know, there's a whole spectrum of opinions and don't take any one person's word as gospel for anything, but especially when it comes to cryptocurrency. I would say I would recommend against investing in this with any retirement money or money that you would need because it is so much more volatile than like an S&P 500 index fund or something you'd have in your 401k. But yeah, I think it be it can be a fun part of, you know, sort of like a fun money or more your more risky investments because a lot of people have made a lot of money on Bitcoin and these coins, but people have lost a lot too. Yeah, it's an interesting scenario where, like, I I invested, you know, at the time not you were that in much pretty money. early. Like, I I accumulated I accumulated the Bitcoin that I have now from like 2015 to 2017, and it it was it was very little, but now it's kind of an outside like it's a overweighted portion of my portfolio because of how much the value has increased. Yeah, and like. In traditional investing, you would probably rebalance to like take some of the profits from that explosive growth and put it into safer stuff. But I, because I put so little in to begin with, it's I'm all found just, money, right? Have a little fun yeah, with it. I, I'm riding it out, and I'm, I'm going to see where it goes. Kind of that's kind of my lottery ticket to life right now is is that little bit of Bitcoin, right? So, listeners, think about it. Decide whether you want to get into it. We're going to post some more resources on this and uh there's a lot like i said there's a lot of research you can do but if you wanted to know you know just the real basics then that was it that was uh our was yeah there was all right so if you have any questions about crypto uh we like this stuff nick um is really interested in this so ask ask away if you have any questions about this or there's anything you'd like us to cover in a follow-up episode or any sort of Q&A episode. So thank you all for listening and tune in for the next episode. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to the More Sense Than Dollars podcast.